0: We have arrived at our final session of the day, Uh, session number four of five, with the final one being tomorrow morning, on God's world plan, God's world plan. The next immediate thing for the world is its destruction because of its corruption. But even though that's God's future world plan through the plan of salvation, he has a present world plan, and that's building the church, a group called out from the judgment of this world, the calling of the church. We have started to study the purpose and calling of the church, which is God's present world plan. Today, he's not changing the world. He'll do that tomorrow, so to speak. He's doing something bigger than changing the world today. He is calling out of the world a people for his name. Just not a people for his name. So that brought us to uh, our outward calling for his name's sake. We preach his name and we need to live the gospel, we learned. We function as a light or a beacon. And as a people for his name, we have an upward calling. We're not only God's beacon, we're God's building, specifically his temple. As a holy priesthood, we offer up spiritual sacrifices. So he's called out of people, not just called out of judgment, but for his name, as a testimony and witness. Here for the glory of God. Brother asked me during the break. In fact, he answered his own question, okay? So I'm just reiterating it. But he said, if you could boil it down to one word, just take everything you're saying to one word, why are we here? And the word is glory. (laughs) Let him that glorieth glory in the Lord. To bring God glory in a world that doesn't. To give him his portion. We do that as a beacon, as a light. We do that as a building his temple and offering up. As important as those things are, as I read in the Word of God, there's two other areas the church is here for that would all come under glory. And and we'll go to this one here. We're not only a beacon light, we're not only a building temple, we're the body, the body of Christ. And this brings us to our downward calling. And by downward calling, I mean what we are to be involved, involved in on planet Earth down here. Okay? Yes, we lift up sacrifices. Yes, we are to shine forth the outward calling. But there's also a downward calling on this planet. What are we to be involved in? There are so many issues out there today. What should be our, uh, our primary purpose, you know, after we uh, do our work and things like that? What are we to be involved in our downward calling as the body of Christ? Well, go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Back to Ephesians, please. Our third of our fourfold callings we're looking at this afternoon, God's present world plan. and You go to Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, for those of you involved in supper preparations, I'm going to make an educated guess here, and I plan to be done by 6 o'clock. So whatever that's worth, the educated guess of a preacher when he'll be done. But uh, you you go to Ephesians chapter 1, please. We were telling the men up at camp that sometimes we preachers, we follow Paul the Apostle. He, he wrote the book of the Philippians, and there was four chapters in it, remember? Four chapters. Chapter 3 and verse 1, which is 50% through. You know what his opening words are chapter 3 and verse 1? Finally, my brethren. And it was 50% done. <laughs> well, having said that, we're in Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll break in here at verse 22. Ephesians 1 and verse 22. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, that filleth all in all. I can understand how he's the fullness of me. Ye are complete in him. I do not take it in how the church now is the fullness of him. He is not called the body. The Lord Jesus is only called the head. He is the head of the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Since the cross and resurrection of Christ, and I say this reverently, spiritually speaking, the Lord Jesus picked up an extra dimension, something he didn't have before, the body of Christ. You remember, he ascended up into heaven. He was rejected by this world, crucified. And the disciples saw him from the Mount of Olives ascend up into heaven. He's not here That is, as the head, he's not here. He's not the king of this world. But I want to tell you, his body is here. Through this body of Christ, a spiritual entity, his body is here, and it's the fullness of him. And that brings us to a downward calling, what we are, the primary thing we're to be involved on, on planet Earth down here. For you see, not only did he ascend up to heaven, when he got there, he sent down the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts in the, in the language of 1 Corinthians 12:13, For with one spirit or by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Greek or bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So we are immersed, baptized into this one body of the Lord Jesus, of which he is the head. And it's, it's through the agency, the Lord uses, of the Holy Spirit, in the language of First Peter one twelve, First Peter one twelve, the Holy Ghost sent down to, from heaven. The Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, and so God has given the Holy Spirit to us. Not only does that give life and light. It's just not a doctrine. It's just not some new way, a new group we've joined. It's a transformation called being born again, life and light. Not only does that do that, but it imparts to every believer different spiritual abilities or talents that the New Testament will call gifts. And it's with those spiritual abilities that are beyond normal things that humans can give you that you can be involved in this body of Christ, in this downward calling, which we'll see as building up the body of Christ. Yes, there's the gospel going out. Yes, there's the offerings going up. But we are to seek to excel to the edifying of the church, 1 Corinthians fourteen twelve that he wants us to be built up. You say, well, what does it mean, built up? Built up in numbers? Well, obviously to some degree. uh, You have to be part of the numbers, you know, to get saved and so on. But in the Scripture, it's built up into Christ's likeness that he has taken people who were sinners and rebels, not only saving them from destruction and from the burning and forgiving their sins, but now turning them into the image of his Son so they'll be like Christ. They'll think like Jesus does. They'll hate what he hates. They'll love what he loves. And think, to, to have a whole race of people that are Christ-like, to use the language of Romans 8.29, 8, 29, for whom he did foreknow, them did he also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. To be like Christ, it'll have a whole future implication on this world we'll talk about tomorrow, Okay but making a group of people that are in the likeness of Christ in their very character, someday bodily. And and so, again, we could use the language of 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with open face as beholding in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Changed from glory to glory, being made Christ-like. Now, to accomplish that, the head is in heaven, so what he's doing to each member of the body of Christ, he's not only imparted the Holy Spirit, he's imparted abilities, unique abilities, that each believer will have to contribute to the building up of the body of Christ into Christ's likeness not just some physical building you're involved in, not just some uh, uh, numbers you're counting, but into Christ's likeness is the growth of the church. And that is our downward calling, the main thing we're to be involved in here, down here, as far as service is concerned, not speaking of worship now, but as far as service is concerned, is the building of the body. Now, with that in mind, go to Ephesians chapter 4. We are the body of Christ. There's one thing bodies are supposed to do, they're supposed to grow, at least up to a certain age. Okay? They're supposed to grow. Not only physically, they're supposed to grow in maturity, and we're still all doing that in wisdom and so on. And so there's, yes, we're saved, but when you're saved, you know about salvation, basic things you know, but there's a whole lot more to learn and to, in wisdom and knowledge, and we're to grow into Christ's likeness and this is this downward work to help one another grow into the fullness of God, so that when he does reign with us, we'll be ready to think just like he does. Well, anyway, Ephesians chapter 4 is the subject of gifts, the subject of spiritual abilities called the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. And 1 Corinthians 12, 7 puts it this way, that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. No such thing as a believer without a manifestation of the Spirit, something to help others grow in the faith. No such thing. It's going to be different. It's going to be a different amount, a different measure. You don't have the fullness. Only Christ has the fullness. You're not going to have the same thing every other believer has, but you have something together You can get the job done through him. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8. Ephesians 4 and verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascendeth up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended... Is the same also that us ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. So he's ascended up into the heavens. Well, what has he done? Well, here's what he's done, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He has sent the Spirit down as other scriptures show us. And he has given gifted men and gifted men and women to accomplish this great job down here. He's not physically here. But through his spirit, he has given gifts unto the church. And it goes on to discuss that. Certain gifts have a primary purpose. That's the beginning of verse 12, Ephesians 4, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. Special gifts that are bigger than one local church, whether it's a pastor, teacher, uh, evangelist, an apostle, prophet in those days, uh, they could be bigger than a local church. And they're meant to mature you or some will have equipped you and they're they're meant to do something for you so that you can accomplish something. The last two clauses in verse 12 are what you can accomplish through their ministry. Let's reread verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, so that you and I can be involved in the work of the ministry down here. And that work is the edifying of the body of Christ, that it is building up the church of God, Yes, in a sense, through numbers, as an evangelist does, but further than that, the pastor, teachers, and that, it'll be into Christ's likeness okay? It'll be into Christ's likeness Look what it goes on to say in verse 13. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He just doesn't want two or three of you in the unity of the faith. He wants us all. We're one body. He wants us growing together into the stature, spiritually speaking, of the fullness of Christ so that we love what Christ loves. We hate what he hates. We all speak the same thing. This is a great order. But but, but he gives special gifts so that we can be involved with ours and reach this goal of helping one another grow into the stature of the fullness of Christ. Get out of the children's stage. Everyone that's saved is truly saved. They're born again. But some are baby Christians. They don't understand everything. He doesn't want you to stay a baby. And as cute as babies are, you don't want your children to stay babies, do you? In fact, if they don't grow after several months, you run to the doctor. Well, look at the next verse, verse 14. Verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sleigh of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. Satan is against the gospel. He's against the body of Christ. And he has counterfeited agents that we'll talk about later that are meant to throw your mind off the truth of God and Christ so you, you really don't get involved in this work. And he wants us not to say, stay children so that we understand and are able to be involved in the church of God. So he goes on to say in verse 15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So as we speak the truth in love, we grow up into him, We're becoming Christ-like. This is our downward calling. It is not changing the world. Not to say we should never stand for righteousness and be a light, but but, but we can not change the world because it's under Satan. The one who can change the world, and we'll learn about tomorrow, is going to do it when he returns to earth the second time. And it will replace this. The kingdom of these worlds will become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. It's none other than the Lord Jesus that will change this world. But in the meantime, he's building a governing body called the church and to Christ's likeness. Look at verse 16. Some call it training for reigning. Look at verse 16, Ephesians 4. From whom, that is Christ, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase in a body unto the edifying of itself in love. Did you see every joint and every part? You'll be different than others. I understand that in your calling and operations and your gifts. But every joint, every part has to play a role in this. And that is our downward calling. We are the body of Christ. We're not the head. But we are the body of Christ. And the great mission is to build in the edifying of the church in love. So if you're involved in the church of God, not everybody is called to be an evangelist to go to other countries, not to say we shouldn't witness. doesn't mean you're not serving God. It could be an elder in the church, a deacon. It could be somebody with a gift. Your gifts, you do have a gift. And however you're involved, you're involved in the work of God. For the downward calling is the building up of the church, not the building up of politics. The building up of the church, that is our downward calling, at least as revealed in the word of God as his body. Now, some might say, but but I haven't been trained right. I I don't have a, uh, I'm dyslexic, how do they say it? I can't even say it. Dyslexic, dyslexic. Yeah, see, I am too. (laughs) And I'm just not able, you know, I just can't be involved. I'm going to leave it to the professional. I want to show you something in the Bible. That he has sent the Holy Ghost down from heaven. And you can't get more professional than the Holy Spirit. He has equipped each believer to do what he's called you to do that you do have spiritual ability. There's been a downward act. He sent down the Holy Ghost from heaven so you can accomplish your downward calling as the body of Christ. I want to show you an Old Testament example of how they built the house of God and not through natural ability. Go with me to Exodus chapter 31, please. Book of Exodus chapter 31. And it's how the tabernacle got constructed. How the tabernacle got constructed. You know who God asked to build his tabernacle in the wilderness, that holy sanctuary of God? He asked Israel, his people. He said in Exodus 25.8, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Let them, the Israelis. Who were the Israelis? They had fresh been out of Egypt. They were slaves. They weren't skilled craftsmen. They they were brickmakers. They knew nothing what the tabernacle would call for, carved wood, artistic uh, 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 gold design, jewelers to craft the jewels, weavers. They they were slaves out in the field with bricks and straw. They were, in that sense, an uneducated people. And he turns to that group, he says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And the tabernacle is going to be full of silver and gold and beaten gold and colorful weavings and just all kind of elaborate things in the sanctuary of God how could they ever get it done there was no tabernacle to school to go to back then they couldn't buy a tabernacle kit at lowes you know and say oh i get it no it didn't exist how will these slaves these humble people erect this gorgeous sanctuary for god on the physical level the answer is in exodus 31 exodus 31 and verse 1 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge of all manner of workmanship to devise cunning or artistic works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones, to set them in, in the carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. So there were some unique gifts he called who would help others, such as Bezalel and also Hialeab. And, and these men would have understanding artistic works. And they didn't go to school to get it. God says, I have put wisdom in their hearts. These, these, to, to be skilled in polished stones, you know, that's what a jeweler does. That requires education. And, and these men got it because God put wisdom in their hearts. It was a supernatural work from above. Not only key men, but but look at the next verse, verse 6. And I, behold, I have given with him Ahialiab, the son of Ahishamach of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee. Not only special men that had an extra ability, but all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom. It was a supernatural act of God, something from above, they woke up one day, so to speak, and said, I know how to do it. Now they'd have to learn how to get expertise and fine-tuning in that. But that's what's happening here. Everything God commanded, they could carry out. Everything God asks you to do as a church, he gives you the ability to do it. You have no excuse for saying no. Well, goes on to name all the pieces. And uh, look at verse 11. Because he named some of the pieces, I should say. 3111 and the anointing oil and the sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded thee, shall they do. God not only commands, he gives the wisdom to do it. I'll show you an interesting verse on this also in chapter 36. If you go to Exodus 36, please. And verse 1, Exodus 36 and verse 1. Then wrought Bezaleel and Oholiab, and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary, according to all that the Lord had commanded. And Moses and Bezalel and Oholiab and every wise-hearted man in whom the heart of the Lord had put wisdom, and every one whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. It's an involvement by all. It is a heart work. God would put wisdom in them. And so he not only put wisdom, did you notice in verse 1, again I'm going to read it, the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work. How to. You know, if you go through a Christian bookstore, there's a whole bunch of how-to books today. How to lead children to Christ, how to do this, how to do that, how to be a successful husband, parent, whatever. And not that we can't learn from other people's experiences, can't be encouraged by other people's experiences. But, you know, sometimes I get phone calls, and my heart sinks when they say, Brother Randy, would you come to our assembly and teach us all to preach like you do? And, I, you know, I, I can't do that because what I do isn't of me. Whatever little gift of God, to be able to, you know, a gifted person in teaching doesn't know more than you. I just want to let you in on a secret. It's just delivery is all it is. So they sound like they know more than you. <laughs> but, but I know, brethren, that I'll sit down with them one-on-one. They tell me things I've never heard, yet they stand up here and they just don't have the delivery to get it across. You'll say, oh, they're not that spiritual. Uh, man, they're deep. okay. Uh, but, but, but to put it, I can teach you what? You know, I can teach you what the Word of God says, and by listening to that, it can help build you up. That's what I am to do, is to teach you what? But to teach you how to, how to make you a successful preacher. Others have tried and it's failed can't do it because that's something given to you from God above. If he gives it to you, then by listening to somebody, you, you'll, you'll learn and things like that. But, but I can't. It's from God. He, it's sent down from above. The Spirit has given different spirits. So, so how-tos, we've got to be careful with how-tos because when you have a gift, you're going to have the how-to. and it, It's just going to come natural. Uh, there's a whole lot of things I can't do. But when I open this Word, it just kind of comes organized for delivery for me. And it's about the only thing that I can do. I just want to be honest with you. Around the house, guess who fixes everything? Not me. <laughs> not me, okay. Uh, so, so, so the how-to is part of the gift. So I say all that, brothers, to encourage you and sisters. In this great work of edifying the church, if you're involved in that, you're involved in the work of God. You don't have to be changing the world. You, don't, you might not even be a, a worldwide evangelist. But there is a downward calling, the building up of the body of Christ. And you can take courage in this. He has sent down the Holy Ghost from heaven to help you and to empower you. We need to stir up our gift. But there's this great downward calling as the body of Christ still on earth. So that we're starting to see that as his light we're his beacon, and that's outward to the world. But that's not what it's, it's not all about the world. It's also about God. As his building, we offer up spiritual sacrifices. But even though you might be doing that, there is also a downward aspect to be involved in the service of God. And I don't mean full-time here in the quote, full-time. But be involved in the building up of the body of Christ with your God-given abilities and gifts. Be involved in the church. Encourage it. Don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. If Satan's out there. There's all kinds of problems. Well, we want to build in this great work, the building up of the church it 's what the Lord Jesus is doing today, having said that, there is another calling in the word of God for the church, uh, the fourth calling that will look at us as his bride, as his bride you know revelation twenty one nine says "Come hither and I will show thee the, 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 the I will show thee the bride, the lamb 's wife, and the wife hath made herself ready revelation 19.7 uh, will teach. and The church of God is included at least in that bride of Christ. So we not only are a beacon and a body and a building temple, that we're a bride. And that's also in the book of Ephesians that calling. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. As we wind up here with our last of our forger four major callings of the church. Why he's left us here. What we're involved in, in Satan's world now. It's not going to be here someday. His present world plan, the church, that is formed by the salvation plan, the gospel. But Ephesians chapter 5, and well-known verse there in verse 25, verse 25 of Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So he's speaking of husband and wife and modeling after Christ and the church. Goes on to say in verse twenty-nine For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it, nourisheth, and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Okay, we're the body, members of his flesh, his bones. Verse thirty one. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So he's speaking at times of husband and wife as one flesh. But not only is he speaking of husband and wife, look at the next verse, verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. <laughs> Christ and the church in that sense is husband and wife, modeled after the physical thing of marriage. But it's a great mystery. Christ and the church, that we are the bride of Christ someday to be united as his wife. And so we have another calling. We're not only a building, that's important, and a body and a beacon light. We are the bride of Christ. What will that bring us to? I'll submit to you from Scripture, which we'll look at in a minute, that's going to bring you to an inward calling. Matters of the heart. Matters of your heart affection and your love for Jesus Christ our Lord. An inward calling in a world that has all other ways to get your affection. A people who loves him in the midst of darkness. What well, that must do for God. It's one thing to love somebody when everything's perfect. But he's left us where everything's negative and we still love him. Must be a divine work, huh? The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Romans 5.5. 5. Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians 11 to see a little more on what John calls the bride. You go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, please. 2 Corinthians 11. And I'll start with verse 1. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. By the way, you see that beautiful Bride. That's my daughter. My youngest daughter got married uh, in May, and she's moved out to Portland, and for various reasons, not only that, we plan to relocate to Portland in May in June of this coming year. Uh, we, we see a great need in the Northwest area, and I'll still travel, but not quite as much. It's getting older, you know, and try, try to help locally, yet do some traveling, but uh, uh, that just reminded me of all that when that picture went there. <laughs> but anyway, second uh, Corinthians 11 and verse one, verse one. "...would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ." Paul says, I have a godly jealousy. He looked at the Corinthian church, it we'd say betrothed or engaged today. Old English word was, I have espoused you to one husband that Christ is the bridegroom, he's the husband. The church is the wife, okay? And I've given you to one husband. And what I would like to happen, there's a wedding day ahead, I'd like to present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That spiritually speaking, I want to see your heart affections not given to the world, not given to Satan, your time and your money. I want you to give it to Christ because I want you to be a virgin not running around with the enemy and with the world. I, I want you to keep yourself pure for that wedding day that's coming. So Paul would passionately labor among the church and sometime rebuke them and instruct them so that they would be motivated to have a heart for the Lord Jesus and to keep themselves pure, because any bridegroom wants a virgin on his wedding day. And spiritually speaking, is what the Lord Jesus wants, that will be unspotted from this world. and won't be in a false yoke with, un, with false religion. But it's not automatic. You say, well, that's going to happen automatically. No, it's not. Look what he says in verse uh, 3. Verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve from his subtlety so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Just like the serpent seduced Eve. And now we're another bride. He's crafty. He's the God of this world, but he's not pleased with a testimony unto God. And he's out to mar it and confuse it and to make reaching his goal very difficult. There's an enemy working against the church. And, but he's crafty and he's subtle, and then he will corrupt your minds. That's inside you. He's going to attack your mind, and so we have an inward calling that will begin to think different. You say, well, how could that happen? Well, here's his strategy. What, what he's after is the end of verse 3, I should say. What he's after? That he should corrupt your minds, Uh, your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. From the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, that word simplicity is from the Latin word simplex. Simplex. You know what simplex means? One. You know what duplex means? Two. Triplex means three. Simplex means one. Some translations will translate it this way because of that. He will corrupt your minds from single-hearted devotedness to Christ. Single-hearted devotedness to Christ. That your affection, your love for the Lord Jesus, your inward affection will be turned from the Lord Jesus. You say, I, I don't, he died for me. Why would I do that? The crafty enemy will make you think you're serving the Lord Jesus when you're not. And he will create a counterfeit. And if you're not grounded in the word and the truth of God, you won't recognize it. You'll say, yes, we can get involved in that. They, you know, they name the name of Jesus. If you name the name of Jesus, you must be all right. Well, look at the next verse, how he'll do it. Look, look at verse 4. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, that's the way to be saved, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. And that's a sarcastic statement. You put up with those people nice, but not the truth. But anyway. Another Jesus, but not the Jesus of the Bible. Another spirit, another force, power, but not the Holy Spirit. Another gospel, but not the terms of God's way of being saved. You know that exists out there. Brother was telling me just today, someone knocked on his door and they talked about Jesus. But it wasn't the G- gospel of the Bible. They had different terms, he told me. They told me. They told him about their works that were going to merit salvation. They named the name of Jesus. They would even tell you he died and rose again. Crafty Satan has counterfeited it, and if he can't have your soul for destruction, he wants to corrupt your mind so that your inward mind and affections isn't given to the Lord. And you're actually serving him unwittingly. And so Paul, with passion, would labor in the church so that didn't happen. You see, a bride, she's a very close-minded person. Right? My daughter was engaged to her husband there. I mean, she wasn't open-minded to any other suitors. She had only her mind on one, you know. And in their case, they had kind of made a pledge to each other. She had affection for them. It's a matter of heart affection, that they wouldn't kiss till their wedding day. And after their preacher had them say, I do, that was their first kiss, okay. And then followed the reception, my son-in-law comes from the West Coast, and their culture's a little different out there. And when the family heard that the people ring glasses or whatever they do, sing songs, they, get, they kiss at the reception, he said, oh, I don't, or somebody, his sister says, his sisters had said, oh, no, he wouldn't go for kissing in public. I said, well, you know, I'm not going to force him, though he'll be married. So I took him out for breakfast the day before. <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, bro, I said, we have a custom here in the East, and, uh, they're going to do all kinds of things to get you to kiss at the reception. We'll have to, I'll have to end up making some strict announcement or it's, it's going to happen. He said, sounds good to me. Let us kiss. <laughs> I said, right on. <laughs> so anyway, at the reception, when they had the second reception out in Oregon, they videoed the whole thing. My daughter saw the video. Did I kiss him that long? Wow, I didn't mean to. You know, well, there it was, first times and so on. There's that affection and Satan wants to rob us of that affection, that single-hearted devotedness, and he'll create a counterfeit Jesus, a counterfeit gospel, and a counterfeit spirit. Look, look at verse uh, uh, 11 on this. Chapter 11, and uh, actually make it verse uh, 13. Eleven thirteen. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. He won't go around always denying about Jesus Christ. He will come as an apostle, a messenger, and say, Yes, I believe in the Lord. I represent the Lord Jesus. And it's Satan in disguise. They don't knock on your door and say, I'm here to deceive you. I represent Christ, or TV, or radio, or in church buildings. And Satan is a master of disguise as an angel of light. Oh, I know he's at the casino and the pornographic houses, and those things aren't right but he's at his best sometimes with a cross and a Bible in his hand and twisting this word of God. And if you're unstable, he'll get your heart to say, yeah, we got to get involved in this, uh, and you'll be serving another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit. Many people talk about Jesus. What would Jesus do? Make sure it's the Jesus of the Bible. Politicians will tell you what Jesus does, but it's not the one I read in the Bible. You know. But anyway, uh, not only that, look at verse 14. I just alluded to it. and No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Verse 15. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers, his servants, also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. See how he's after your heart? His false teachers will be transformed as ministers of righteousness. They might stand for being against abortion and against homosexuality, and gays in the military, and feeding the poor, and building hospitals, and you'll say, they've got to be a Christ. They're a Christian. They mention Jesus, and they're for righteous causes. And that's the whole smokescreen. Because their gospel is different. If you trust their gospel, you'll be separated from him forever in destruction. And if you if you've already saved, then you're giving your affection, your time, your energy to his cause unwittingly, and losing your spiritual virginity. We have an inward calling to keep our hearts pure in love with the Lord Jesus. But in doing that, there's someone out there to, to make it look like the real thing and corrupt your minds. He's after your inward affections. Huh? So we need, as a songwriter reminded us, to guard our heart. right? <laughs> to guard our heart. Because someday, there's a wedding coming. There's a wedding coming. And I close today with Revelation 19. The Revelation of Jesus Christ 19 because we have a forward calling, we're headed somewhere. All these callings is because there's a forward calling. We're gonna reign on the earth, but before we do, we have a wedding to attend of which the church is the bride, Revelation chapter 19. This is, this is right before the Lord Jesus descends to the earth to judge it and to rule, to replace this kingdom with his. But before he does that, just like Adam and Eve were united before they were to rule, Uh, before they did rule, uh, so is Christ in the church. You look here in Revelation 19 and verse 7. Revelation 19 and verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice. That's in the context of the Lord reigning. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. The marriage of the Lamb is a wedding in heaven. And it's the Lord Jesus and, and his wife. Look at his wife. How does she get ready? Well, a, a, a bride puts her wedding gown on, and everybody looks at her gown and marvels at it. Look at the gown there, you know. Well, here's our gown, verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is a righteousness, a is of saints. It's our holy lifestyle produced by walking in the Spirit. Uh, that... that unspotted from the world that we have a clean, white garment. The righteousness of the saints. What a wedding gown that is. He wants a virgin there. And what happens usually after a wedding? A reception. And that's verse 9. And he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true saints of God. First the marriage, then the reception. And if you're saved, you're part of that marriage for you've been betrothed to one husband. And so there's a great inward calling to guard the affections of your heart, to be grounded so you don't fall for the counterfeit, and sing have single-hearted devotedness for the one who loved you and gave himself for us. In a world of darkness, he has a people that love him because he first loved us. And so God's present world plan is the church. Comes about by this gospel of salvation. And it has four major callings. We've looked at them the beacon, the outward calling of the gospel to the world and by our lifestyle. We've looked at the upward calling, uh, assemble together, not only assemble, but at times assemble together in, in worship and lifting up the Lord Jesus to Him. Uh, then the, the service of the work of building up the body and uh, the heart, uh, of maintaining devotedness, single hearted devotedness to the Lord Jesus. So, may God encourage you in your calling. Now, is that all there is? There's a forward calling. I close with the verse I began with The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ. Destruction will come. This world, as we know it, is going to give way. Satan will be put under prison. There will be cataclysmic judgment and it'll be the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. There's a replacement coming. What's it all about? What's it like? Well, we'll see tomorrow. And by the way, when that replacement happens, I've got to be very careful here. Hmm? Before the destruction of the world happens, he removes his church. For we're not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to do something better with that crown. You know, tomorrow, (laughs) it's a very bad thing to have the crown fall off. But just in closing, before this is removed and cataclysmic judgment empties and shakes this earth, he has removed the church from the wrath of God, taken us home to bring us back in glory and to reign. But Lord willing, that's what we want to deal with tomorrow. Uh, We'll turn it over to our brother for the closing.